This is episode 27 of the Aligned Action Podcast. This is an episode on me telling my branding origin story, but it's also a reflection on learning and growth over years of entrepreneurship. One of my core messages is that you can always change what isn't working. There are millions of micro decisions that led you to where you are today and that will lead you to where you are a few years from now. Listen to my story after the jump. You're listening to the Aligned Action Podcast, the show that helps baffled beginners and even experienced entrepreneurs set intentions, attract ideal clients, and make meaning and money using real-life examples, an interactive teaching style, and in-episode experiences. I'm your host, Chantal, an educator-turned-web designer and aligned business mentor at Clear Quartz Creative. Together, we'll get past your playing small patterns and transform your all-over-the-place ideas into exciting possibilities so you can get the clarity you want, have the alignment you need, and embody the steps to grow your business your way. So take a deep breath, settle in with intention, and let's get into today's episode. Before I begin on my story, I encourage you to frame this around your own niche and your own subject area expertise. Think about your own journey, becoming the best nutritionist you could be, the best physiotherapist, the best online business manager. Most of us don't take time to reflect on the likely winding road that brought you to where you are today. But there are a lot of lessons to be learned from what was aligned for you in the past to help you determine your aligned actions in the future. That's been the constant in my journey is a constant alignment, realignment, shifting, changing course. The story begins when I designed my own logo for my first business, Compose Yoga. Don't be too impressed. I had to pay someone on Fiverr to fix the file for me. I had Compose in the top line and Yoga below with the O's lining up. And the O's had two different mandala-esque but geometric designs within them. And I couldn't get the O's to line up with one another to save my life. And I also couldn't get the, the pattern to really live completely within the O, like there were little pieces of it that were sticking out. And this took me hours. The concept of it came quickly, but the execution of making the idea a visual reality, just not something in my head, took forever and I needed help with it in order to make it complete. After that, I created my first client logo and I did that in Canva. I charged $50. The logo had, you know, one of those trendy script fonts and a just a plain kind of sans serif font and it had a graphic from within Canva. It was a peony. And I think I I think I had to pay $20 or so for like to own that graphic and I don't think I knew how to change the color, so that that color of the peony became one of the two shades of pink. And then the entire brand color scheme was two shades of pink. Uh, this is my first brand design for a client. And I think at the end, I realized I had to upgrade to pro to be able to deliver the logo in a transparent version. I was very new at this. My client loved it, proudly ordered business cards, labels, was super happy with it. It was basic, but it was a success. I started to book more brand design because I was booking more website design. The clients that I was attracting were typically beginners and about half of my clients still are. 
and they had never had branding done before. They might have DIY'd a logo or something, but that was the extent of it. So in order to do the website design, I needed them to have some kind of a brand, colors, fonts, a logo, some kind of imagery. And the more that I did of this, the more that I realized I'm going to need Illustrator. Canva is like not going to work for long. I balked at the price for a little bit and I glanced at a couple of tutorials and articles and things and then I went for it. And as soon as I got Illustrator, I realized that I knew nothing, (laughs) basically, and I was going to need a lot of help. That help came in the form of Creative Market. It was basically my design best friend. If you're not familiar with it, it's an online design shop and you can buy things like fonts and textures and graphics. And by graphic, I just mean like the visuals, like pictures, like the picture of a raindrop or a lotus flower or a book. And I would buy tons of fonts and graphics and textures on there. And it amounted to a lot of my business expenses for my first few years in business. I had to buy a lot of these things because I didn't know how to make them myself. And I often didn't know how to manipulate the files either. So like if the flower looked like this, that's how the flower looked. I could change the color, but that was about it. My clients were always happy, but I was panicking behind the scenes. I was constantly stressing that something would be wrong with their file or it wouldn't print right. I even messed up a couple of business card orders and then I had to pay to reprint them out of pocket. It was super stressful for me. In terms of learning the visual designs of things, I did a lot of research on Pinterest and on people's websites and I took in visual inspiration from everywhere. I took in the brand stories and I took in the visuals. I paid close attention and I'd say that I learned the design aspect, like the layout, like should I make this centered or should I make it left aligned or which word should go where and which word should be in what font. That was somewhat intuitive for me, but creating what I envisioned in my head using the tech was always difficult for me. Where web design was easy, brand design was filled with struggle. I know what you're thinking, like, why don't you just go and learn from a YouTube video? I have never been the kind of person who can do that. I made enough mistakes on Illustrator and I got frustrated enough that I wound up paying for a few Illustrator lessons from a graphic designer. This was actually a really good strategy for me, even though like I think I could have chosen my instructor a little better, but I do think that overall paying for that kind of intensive help was a really good idea. I remember telling her that I wanted like guitar lessons, but with Illustrator. So I could learn to do things that were beyond my skills, like make a bunch of flowers look like, like be in the shape of a circle or how to make this text gold or how to link these two shapes and delete the part in the middle. Things like, like concepts like clipping masks and things, if you're at all familiar with Illustrator, like I didn't understand any of this at all. I was actively creating brands that people were paying for. And I was having to do so much rapid learning behind the scenes to be able to 
deliver a good result. So with that illustrator instructor, I did, I think, three or four lessons with her and I kept experimenting. It was really expensive, but it was also really helpful because just about every client file that I delivered needed some kind of fix or some kind of revision for the entire first two years of my business. And so I learned a lot by fixing my inevitable mistakes because clients would let me know that the logo was cut off on the edges or that this shape was fuzzy or that this didn't quite line up. And so I'd learn in the fixing because delivering a perfect final product was important to me. And I didn't like that there was like a mismatch between where my skills were and where my inspiration, my visualization of the completed product was. It was super important to me that my clients were very happy and that their logos and branding was high quality. So I kept learning by fixing and got better and better over time. The thing is that I continued to feel inexperienced even as my experience grew. Even as I created many, many brands that clients were happy with, on the inside, I still felt inferior to other brand designers. This is by far the biggest imposter syndrome kind of feeling that I've had in business so far is on branding and logo design. I much preferred spending money on existing images and graphics rather than trying to figure out how to make them myself. And so a lot of it was a creative market purchase that I would add in to the brand design, which is, which is allowed. Um, and other designers do that too, but I would make myself feel really bad about it. I struggled to make edits like and reshape things when needed. You know, if clients liked this part of the crystal design, but didn't like one aspect of it, making those little changes was still kind of beyond my skills in Illustrator. I felt really guilty when clients would ask me to create a shape that I couldn't find online. Like I remember one was a water drop with a ripple effect and I couldn't find a good one. And clients, of course, naturally would just ask me like, why couldn't just draw it? Isn't that what brand and graphic designers do? And I couldn't. That actually... I remember it reminded me of when I worked at the Ikea call center. If you don't know, when you call your local store, that's local stores in air quotes. Someone in Montreal answers no matter what store you call in Canada. And one time I was on the phone with a frustrated customer who didn't want to drive to the store unless we for sure had this one green dish brush. She was annoyed and she was frustrated and she was like, I don't get it. Why can't you just walk over to the bin and check if you have it already? And I couldn't because I was not in that city. And I felt really inauthentic about it. It wasn't a secret, like we were allowed to tell clients if they asked, but it wasn't super public either. And it just felt strange because people thought they were talking to someone in Calgary if they were calling Calgary and I, you know, I wasn't there. I was never going to just run into them in their local store. So it felt a little bit inauthentic then. And I felt inauthentic at this stage of brand design too, because I couldn't just draw the exact thing that they wanted. I wanted so badly to create that highly custom, like fantastic end result. But I was hampered by the feeling of being stressed behind the scenes and always feeling less than. 
I felt like other designers were drawing everything by hand, which may or may not be true, but it felt that way at the time. All along this, I still kept booking a ton of brands over the years because I was producing good results. It's just that my, my mindset wasn't there, wasn't behind it. I did a lot of my branding work for clients, mostly because my website design clients needed brands, not because I loved it. Although I will say I do love color palette creation. That aspect is my favorite. Uh, it's more intuitive for me and I do enjoy mixing potential palettes and presenting them to clients and then tweaking them until they're perfect. So I will say that the color palettes have always been a, a confident area for me. As for the rest of it, that was less so. Anyways, about year three in business, I'm 65 plus brands in at the beginning of 2021. And I had had a few clients in 2020 that just really broke me mentally and emotionally. I had always offered unlimited revisions. It was like a hallmark of my brand. And that really started taking its toll on me because I had a couple of people who just took that to the absolute extreme. I started resenting the logo design work even though I was getting amazing clients, even though it was like one or two of a huge selection of amazing people. The thing is, I thought that unlimited revisions would make my clients happier, but it didn't. It always extended their projects and made my projects go over, like go beyond deadline. It turned some of my clients into micromanagers, too. It made designs that started off pretty great as concepts progressively worse because constantly tweaking and revising seemed to cheapen the overall effect in some cases. And I really regretted that I had some not so great client boundaries that allowed that to happen. Think of it like a too many cooks kind of scenario. And now I want to pause here with a note to my CQC clients because I am not throwing shade on you or on your finished brands. I still feel super proud of what we co-created and I know you do too. Most of my clients are still actively using their brands. They're still happy with them. I know that I've said over and over again in this episode that I wasn't a perfect designer, but I really think that what was happening was that whole situation of people telling you that you're good at something, but never entirely believing in yourself and desperately wanting to see what other people could see and wanting to have that perspective, but just not because I have so many messages and notes from clients that tell me how much they love what we made. I believed in myself just enough to know that I was still in integrity to be offering brand design, but not an ounce more. Compared to the web designs, the brand design was a bit like the chore. The web design was more the reward. I tried to push past that feeling and I did so somewhat successfully for a very long time, but I decided that I still wasn't great at the skill side of it and I was enjoying it less and less the more that I would force myself to complete projects, especially those unlimited revisions ones. I have gate 34 in my conscious son in human design. That's the top number on the right. And that's the gate of power to empower. So in its positive expression, it's a fantastic gift to have. 
But the shadow side of that gate is of forcing things into reality, which I am absolutely guilty of. So instead of continuing to force things into reality and continue doing the brand design work just so that I could keep offering web design, I decided to stop. And I chose to hire out visual branding to my amazing designer, Anna. We used to call her a junior designer, but Anna, when you listen to this, your title's been promoted to designer live via podcast episode. Why? Because Anna does all the illustrator work for CQC now, and I don't lift a finger inside that program. I actually canceled my subscription to Adobe last week and thought I'd save myself the 27 US dollars a month. I don't want you to worry as a listener that I've been keeping this a secret. It's not a secret. It's not a big reveal. My clients know this up front and now you will too. So here's how it works now instead of this old way of forcing things through and over-reliance on creative market. I let clients know on sales calls right from the start that I have a small team of two. I tell them that I'll be their point person. I'll be communicating with them. But the person who's actually doing the, the tweaking and the design work behind the scenes is Anna. So I tell them that they'll answer their questionnaire and they'll complete their Pinterest board. And then from there, I'll interview them and I'll do some original ideation. And then I'll communicate with Anna and Anna and I talk about potential concepts. Then Anna takes the reins. She runs with these ideas and she creates two concepts for every client. So she does all of the illustrator work. She designs the color palettes. She chooses the fonts. She does the logos, the alternates, everything. I review it. And then Anna makes any edits based on my feedback. And then she makes a beautiful, impressive brand presentation with these fancy mock-ups and everything. It's ridiculously professional and so much nicer than what I used to present. She does a fantastic job of explaining in words why she's chosen a certain element. Like the curve here represents femininity and the geometric side represents masculinity within this uppercase S. Like she did in her recent genius brand concept for a husband and wife osteopath team based on their ideal clients and individual approaches. Then I communicate with our client and they choose one concept to move forward with. I'm the only one that's front facing. As I said, I'm going back and forth with clients, but all the while they are aware that Anna is the one doing the behind the scenes. It's totally transparent. So Anna and I finalize the brand behind the scenes and she posts it into the Google drive while I'm working on the copywriting and the design of the website. And this is the final evolution of what I've learned in visual branding design. That because that was the best my technical skills as a brand designer were ever going to get, I learned that I was not the best person for the job anymore. I learned that I didn't want to keep trying to be the best person at that. That hiring out was the smarter move and Anna was the person to hire. By figuring out that I didn't have to do it all and that my clients would be better off for it, it was very, very freeing. To recap this story, I learned brand design through trial and error, through perseverance, 
in so many mistakes and hours of edits. In terms of my niche knowledge, I'm what people would call self-taught. I never went to design school, but I would say that I'm more self-corrected than I am self-taught. I was in a bit of a reactive mode. There's a lot of hype in this industry about just get started. You learn as you go. And that's absolutely true for a lot of people. It worked for me, but it was equally important for me to know when to stop. And that's a skill that you practice with your intuition to know how to stop when something doesn't feel right anymore and to choose another avenue. You can teach yourself anything. You really can. But As you're doing that, also teach yourself the skill of knowing what you should and shouldn't be spending your time learning. That's the whole concept of a niche is to get more and more specific on the parts that you really love and either stop offering the rest or find someone who can support you in offering that to your clients. So ask yourself now if there are any aspects of my story that resonate with you? Is there something that you've been trying to learn for days, months, years? Is there something that doesn't feel right anymore that you'd rather be done with? Is there an area where you are trying to force something to work rather than feeling empowered? Is there someone better suited than you to do this where you can hire that out on your team? Will an alternative be better for your clients? And are you currently learning something in a winding journey and feeling less than? Tell yourself the truth on these and you'll be taking action on the learnings from this episode. Do something today with what you learn and you will feel better and build a better business for it. Thank you for listening to my story. Bonus points if you tell me what you learned in an Apple podcast review. Those take about four minutes and they have a giant impact on the reach of the show and how well it performs in the charts and how easily it is to have other people find it who need to hear these messages too. So far, the show has a five-star review, but I'm not going to be one of those hosts that tells you to go leave a five-star review. (laughs) Please just be honest and write what you think and feel. We'll both feel better that way. If you have a few minutes to go do that on Apple, even if you currently are listening on another platform, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Aligned Action Podcast. I hope this episode has helped you take the first step to turn your ideas and insights into income. For one-on-one guidance and done-for-you solutions, visit clearquartzcreative.co to see how we can work together. If you loved this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Each review helps me to help more entrepreneurs like you dig deeper and get crystal clear. Until next week, remember, you're a gem. Every intention you set and every action you take is an expression of being the brilliant business owner you already are.